Amen, amen. Well, so good to, uh, to get those monthly updates about our missions. Just so awesome to have those opportunities. Merry Christmas, everyone. Happy Boxing Day. Hopefully the Christmassy magic is still alive and in your heart. And did you guys have turkey yesterday? Did you enjoy your turkey? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little turkey. We had uh, prime rib in our home, of course, after all the shenanigans I did two days ago. We had prime rib on sale. Everyone's buying turkey. So prime rib, couldn't afford not to. It was amazing. So I uh, hope you had a great day today. And uh, it's the 26th, and uh, we are still uh, in our Rediscover Christmas. This is part four of four, and I'm honored to be able to share uh, the theme of love, the last theme for our series. And uh, we're going to be looking at uh, two uh, people groups, uh, the shepherds and the wise men or the magi. And uh, we're going to be unpacking them and just seeing how the love of God is so evident in that. Well, amidst Christmas, there are a lot of things that happen. Uh, my kind of generation and people my age, there's a lot of engagements that happen around Christmas or New Year's, you know, these are the big moments. Uh, Valentine's Day is another big proposal moment, but Christmas is a big proposal opportunity. Now, I didn't propose to my wife, uh, Yvonne, on Christmas, but I remember a lot of people did. And I remember when I did propose to Yvonne, and she said yes, um, the, the next step was a little bit more stressful, almost as stressful as planning the proposal itself. Who are we going to tell first? Who are we going to tell and, and in what order? You know, um, because the order in which you tell people, it says a lot to the people that hear it about how you see them. You know, are you going to call them? Are you going to video call them? Are you going to uh, text them? Are you going to do just a generic social media post? If people are expecting a call and they find it on social media, it, it, it could be, people can be offended. And don't say anything until we call grandma and grandpa. It's unbelievable the pressure that you feel because you don't want to offend everyone. And who we tell when says a lot about how we view them and how we value them and how important they are to our hearts. We're going to be looking at this very theme in these uh, two accounts of the shepherds and the magi, and we're going to see a lot about how God views people. I think sometimes the way that we expect God to view people is different from how God actually views people. So often we can think that God's love and, and God's affection is directly linked to our moralism, to the things that we do to please him. Or, and we can judge people who don't act in line with that behavior and assume that they don't deserve the love of God. We can get caught into this thinking in our own lives based on our own behavior. And the truth is that when we think like that, there is a part of us that, that is almost trying to get in the way of God's love. And what I want to talk about with you this morning is the fact that God's love is so big. And, and for us to partner with the love of God means for us to recognize its far reach. And so we're going to be looking at uh, two different stories. I've never actually preached like this before. We're going to be bouncing back from Matthew to Luke to Matthew, Luke. And I try to be as like uh, agile as I could and when I would tell what story when and why. And so we're going to camp out on uh, Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2, and uh, we're going to start at some different verses. One, we're going to start at verse 8, the other at 1, and so let's look right off the bat at Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. 
The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. That is the Charlie Brown Christmas section. Beautiful, beautiful. Anyone watch that over the holidays? Anyone? Three times, three times. <laughs> it was great. Uh, now let's look at the wise men, the magi. They're wise men. They're actually magi. They're called wise men because they were wise because they found Jesus, but they're actually wise men. I, that's my opinion. And so in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, magi, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who is being born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. We're going to dive into these two stories, these two people groups, and figure out why they are definitely the people you'd least expect to hear first. I mean, beyond, uh, you know, the prophecies and things like that. And also learn about what it reveals about the love of God what it reveals about the love of God. The first thing I want us to unpack is the fact that the love of God knows no bounds. Knows no bounds. We're going to look at the, the Magi first. Uh, you know, they're from the Persia, Babylon area, east. And uh, they found God through one of these. I couldn't wait to show you this. This is mine and Ezekiel's, more Ezekiel, my four-year-old son's telescope. And uh, we, our birthdays are about a month apart. We got all the grandparents and siblings and, and everything to, to chip in for both of our birthdays for this beautiful telescope. This is a Schmidt, that's my last name, Castlegrain telescope. It is a, any uh, sky watchers, any star nerds in the, am I the only, I usually am the only, oh, oh boy. Yeah, all right, well, I'm going to teach a little bit of astronomy with you today, but uh, there's a Schmidt Castlegrain Grain telescope has got all these specs you don't care about it but it is awesome okay and uh it goes way higher than this but my four-year-old son is about this tall and uh and so usually when we do a sky watch which is late at night i'm usually <laughs> cracking my knees and getting nice and low and looking out and it's amazing what you can see We've been able to see the rings on Saturn. We've been able to see the bands of Jupiter, its moons. It's unbelievable. Andromeda galaxy, you're able to see things that are so, so far away. When you think about how long it took just for that light to reach your eye, it's mind-blowing. And these magi found God not through, not through one of these, a Bible, but through a telescope, through looking at the sky. The Magi were Hellenistic astrologers. Um, and uh, it's not astronomy, it's astrology. Astrology is, is all about looking at the sky and, and being able to predict events and, and things like that. It's, it's more of a religious piece of looking at the sky. And, and they were Hellenistic astrologers, which was uh, part of the Greco-Roman culture at the time and very, very seen by the Roman government as valid, legitimate. We, we believe this to be true. The Jewish people did not think that this was valid or real. They believed in, in, in God. They didn't practice this type of, of, uh, of pagan practice, pagan. For the kids uh, in, in the room, pagan basically means something that is against what the Bible says. You know, this, is, this would be other spiritual things, almost stuff that the devil would love for, for them to play with rather than God. And so these people would be 
the last people that you would expect would be able to find God. They studied and looked at the stars and God revealed himself to them. There's all these different perspectives of, of what these magi saw, whether it was a comet or whether it was a supernova or, and all these things. But um, based on kind of what I found, I'm, I'm under the impression that it was likely a planetary conjunction, the merging of, of a couple planets in a field of view. And uh, at the time of the magi, there were actually different constellations, uh, part of the zodiac, and different parts of the sky represented different regions of the known world. And so based on what they'd see where, it would give them an understanding. It was actually very common in that time for in the Greco-Roman culture for, for, for a, a, uh, an announcement within the stars to symbolize the rise or the fall or the death of a king. And so this was very, very, very normal in its time. There's a German astronomer, I'm German, Schmidt Kessler, it's just unbelievable. There's a German astronomer named uh, Johann Kessler, I think is uh, his, how you pronounce it, Johannes Kessler, 1600s. He found a, uh, a, a, a planetary conjunction that, uh, that he was very, very convinced was the very thing that the Magi had looked at. And he was able to trace it back. It ha it's very rare, well, relatively rare. Every 60 years, this planetary conjunction takes place. And he was able to trace back that this indeed did happen in 6 BC, the year that they believed Jesus was born. And based on his calculations, he was able to determine that that conjunction would have happened in the zodiac area of, of Aries, which symbolized Judea at the time. Pretty cool. And so these magi, they see this, and, uh, and, they, and they, so they think Judea, and so they think, let's go to Jerusalem, because that's where kings are. We will find direction there. It was really, really neat. It also says that they saw it in the east. In the time, uh, east didn't mean the direction east. What it really meant was um, basically the, the, the sky would, like the planets and stuff would rise in the east, and they would set in the west, and so they had seen it in the east, which meant that they saw it in the morning. Did you know that when it's bright out, there are still stars above you, you just can't see them, and so this, this conjunction would have been un, or invisible, I guess, uh, after the sun had come out. What I'm trying to say is they saw a morning star. Jesus is often referred to as a morning star. It's absolutely beautiful when you think about it. It's just so fascinating, and I'm just geeking out over this stuff, and I just think it's so unbelievable that God has the ability to speak beyond our, our boundaries of what we think makes sense or what, how we think God should speak. God is so much bigger than what we give him credit for, isn't he? I mean, he's up to something, and, he, and the interworkings of how that all worked and the fact that God would have timed this event to go in line with this so that a pagan astrologers would know that the king of the Jews had been born. It's unbelievable what God is doing. And he loved these magi enough to invite them in and to let them be the first to know. These were the only people that would have had the knowledge of this star. The only people that would have known the link to the fact that the king of the Jews, Jesus the Messiah, was born. 
God invites, I'm going to call the magi, the outsiders, the, the pagans, the people that, that aren't even a part of that community, the people that aren't practicing the things that they should. God invites the magi and he lets them see God through an avenue that doesn't really make sense. Fast forward to the, the shepherds, two chapters in Luke. I'm going to call, as I called the magi, the, the outsiders. I'm going to call the shepherds the the lowly insiders. Did you know that shepherds were actually not held in, in very good regard? They, they, they actually weren't because they, they couldn't be trusted. They, they actually lived off of um, other people's land. They would bring their sheep to, to properties and, and just let their sheep feast on whoever's uh, crop that, uh, that they wanted to. They didn't, they didn't pay for it. They didn't pay rent. They just roamed. And, you know, oh, there's a cornfield. Let's go there. Oh, there's wheat. Let's go there. And they just would just feed. And they, and they would just kind of go there. And they just kind of they just kind of make a mess. I'm just, just trashing this stage. Who's going to clean this up, you know? And just they leave their garbage everywhere. And, you know, I'm just trying to, trying to represent this. And I'm trying to think of, you know, basically wherever they go, it looked like a teenager's bedroom, you know? It's just, just trashed. And, and, and yet God chose to speak to the lowly insiders. You know, you know the shepherds, they, they couldn't be trusted. They actually weren't even allowed to testify in court. They, they, although they were Jewish, they were, they were considered people that, that were very unreliable and were up to some pretty sketchy things, some, some things that, that weren't, they weren't really rule followers. And God chooses to speak to these people. You know, the shepherds, I'd almost call them the, 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 the mayor humdingers of ancient Israel. You know, God would, you'd think God would speak to, to Ryder or the Paw Patrol about the king of the Jews, but he chose Mayor Humdinger. Like, like, if you know anything about Mayor Hungdigger, you're into the Paw Patrol, you know, Ezekiel and I and all of our parents, he just did, he doesn't deserve anything. And yet he was told about the announcement of the king of the Jews. God has a deep love for the lowly insider. God has a love for the outsider. You see, God's love, it's not about our behavior. It's not about our moralism. Actually, Paul says in Ephesians 2, it says, for by grace you have been saved, not by works, so that no one can boast. It's literally just our faith in Jesus that gets us where we need to be. May we never think that we've achieved something. Right off the bat, baby Jesus is instilling this, this type of kingdom thinking into his followers. It's, it's unbelievable. If we want to partner with God, with the love of God, we need to recognize its far reach. Secondly, God's love makes one significant. It makes us significant. It makes the lowly insider, the outsider significant because of what God revealed to them. And in, uh, in, in verse uh, 16 of Luke, we read about the, uh, the shepherds, and it says that uh, in verse 16, so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told uh, about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to him. But Mary treasured up these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. These were key players, the shepherds. I love this. They were key players in affirming 
who Jesus was. It says that uh, they, they essentially told Mary who Jesus was. And, and I, I kind of think about that, and I think of how key that would have been for people to come that had no idea who Jesus was and say, this is the King of the Jews. This is the Messiah. Those affirming words, Mary treasured them in her heart. I, I imagine that there would have been some discouraging days for Mary that lied ahead, and yet those shepherds played a key role in God's plan to keep Mary encouraged through those hard times. It then goes on to say that Mary actually, or sorry, the, the shepherds were actually uh, praising God and telling everyone about them. They were significant people. They, they were evangelists, the type of evangelist telling, they were no longer shepherds, they were evangelists telling people all about who Jesus was, sharing it with others. Magi, in uh, the book of Matthew, these people announced the kingship of Jesus. This is very significant in the book of Matthew. Each gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have different purposes, different audiences, different themes. And the theme of Matthew is the kingship of Jesus. And so we're reading in the book of Matthew about the Magi playing a significant role in affirming this theme and affirming this message. It's, it's, it's so, so cool to see. God's love gives us significance. If you're questioning your significance in life, you're questioning your purpose, draw near to God, experience the love of God, and it's unbelievable what it can do. Third, God's love is actually something that draws us in towards him. God's love draws us in. Matthew 3 says uh, that when, or Matthew 2 verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with them. Verse 4 says, When he called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said, In Bethlehem in Judea. So these magi had seen a, a star. They had seen a sign. They had uh, looked and said, Okay, so it's in the zodiac symbol of Arius, which means it's in Judea. We're going to go to Jerusalem. We're going to have questions. They ask questions. They don't fully know. But, but they're drawn towards finding more answers. And I love that even though the scribes and the priests didn't really believe what they were saying, they, they introduce the, the, the Magi to the book of Micah. They, 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 they reveal the word of God to these Magi. You see, that's the next step in the journey, right? I mean, it's one thing to go to a concert and hear this beautiful music and, oh, I felt God. But, but eventually there comes a point where God's word needs to be revealed to us, come alive in our hearts. And because of that initial uh, kind of uh, stirring in their hearts, it led them to a place of wanting to go deeper and God's word was revealed to them in their hearts. It's powerful. And then it goes on and it says in, in verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I find this super, super interesting. This, this quite possibly is a supernatural moment where God utilizes a star to, to literally move and grab their attention. And it says here, they were overjoyed when they saw the star um, and they saw the child with his mother in verse 11, um, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, as Pastor Mark says, Frankenstein <laughs> and myrrh. And uh, it's just this amazing moment. It's this beautiful moment. We have pagans from another country worshiping Jesus the Messiah. 
Psalm 72 speaks about how all these nations are going to come together and be able to worship God. This was actually something that was premature. This was almost like a sign of like a, a first fruits of what was to come. It was beautiful. They got to be in part of this, this incredible moment where Gentiles or, or pagan, whatever you want to call them, are invited in to a moment to worship Jesus. This is where God's love takes us. It's powerful. The shepherds in chapter 2, it says that they hurried off to see Mary and Joseph. They hurried off. They were drawn. They said, we got to get there soon. God's love draws us in. It doesn't drive us away. It draws us in. It's so important for us to know that. When we experience the conviction of God, the conviction of Holy Spirit, that is a loving conviction. That is God's love falling on us. And so when we feel bad for something that we have done, you know, uh, we feel like we, we have wronged God in some sort of a way, there is a love that we should be experiencing that still reminds us that the work on the cross is complete and that there is a God that accepts us and wants to transform us and reform us. The moment that we think that, that because we have sinned, that we no longer deserve God and that we have no place being in a, in a, in a church because I'm, I'm, I'm a hypocritical, I'm two-faced, so we're drawn away from God, we need to ask whether we're hearing the voice of God, the, the convicting voice of Holy Spirit, or whether we're hearing voices of condemnation and, and, and voices of shame. And those voices are, are not from God. God's love draws us in. It draws us in. And so for us to partner with the love of God, we've got to realize just how big it is and how, how far its reach is. Lastly, God's love changes our lives. It, it absolutely changes our lives. The, the shepherds, it says in verse 17 of chapter 2 of Luke, it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning all had been told about this child. Verse 20 says, they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things which they had just been told, and they've been sharing all these things. Basically, like I had said prior, these shepherds became evangelists. These shepherds had a whole new purpose in life. Their, their lives had changed, and now we are telling people about Jesus, about the transforming love of Jesus. The, 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 the Magi in, uh, in Matthew chapter 2, another really cool story, um, in verse 12, it, it says that they had been reminded, uh, they'd been notified in a dream about where Herod was at, where Herod basically wanted to kill baby Jesus, and so God had spoken to them, and it says that they actually went another way home, so to not cross paths with him. What that tells me is their lives had changed. They had made different decisions, and now their purpose, they've recognized that one of their purposes in life is to protect the Messiah. And so again, there was, a, there was something where God had kind of cued them. And so what I'm trying to say to you today is, as you experience the love of God and as you're invited in, there are moments in our lives where we have to maybe make some difficult, life-altering decisions. But God will guide us in those moments. By His grace, He will make things clear. The love of God is something for the lowly insider, for, for the outsider. God's love knows no bounds. God love, God's love makes us significant. God's love draws us near. God's love can change our lives for forever. Nothing can 
stop the love of God. Nothing can frustrate the love of God. God's love is so big. May we not try to get in the way. God notified some people that we wouldn't normally think he would notify. He notified them first. And I think he did it because, first of all, of course, he, he loved them. And secondly, he was trying to show us a little bit about his heart. And so what can we do today? What can we do to partner with God, to partner with that love? The first thing I want to challenge you to do is, is to think big. To think big, to never, never put, you know, to put God in a box. You know, I, 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 was, I remember being in kids' church and being told, don't put God in a box. And there was this, this big box. Don't put God, like, let God be your everything. See him everywhere. Think big. Look for the signs of God. God is wanting to speak to you more than you want to speak to him. He's trying to get your attention. Are you seeing the signs of God. That's what was so beautiful about this story is we've got people that, that, that are just looking up at stars, following another religion, and God wants to get their attention and draw them to Jesus. We need to think big. You know, I love the story of, of the Magi uh, going to Herod, and Herod gets the priests, and he gets, uh, he gets the scribes, and, and the, the Magi uh, tell them, basically, we, we have all this data. We, we really feel like there's the king of the Jews coming. And the scribes and magi, they, they open their Bible. They, they read the, the, the prophecy in Micah. Yeah, 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 you think the king of the Jews? Yeah, yeah, okay, so this is what it says here. All right, you good? So yeah, just go there. That's where the, the, the king of the Jews, the Messiah, you know, the, the one that we're all before. Yeah, there he is. Yeah, all right, well, take care. Bye. It's like, <laughs> like, like, like they clearly didn't believe it. They clearly weren't buying it themselves. They clearly put God in a box and said, yeah, right. Like they would know. And so they just kind of say, okay, well, you go do your thing. We're going to go back to doing our thing, polishing our gold or whatever, right? And so it's unbelievable because they did not think big. They missed out on that moment. Imagine if they would have been broken and, oh my goodness, the king, the, the, we've been literally been waiting for this day for, for so long. But they missed it. They missed it. Are you looking for the signs of God? Do you think that God can work within, uh, outside of the, the, the boundaries that we placed him in? Secondly, see individuals whom God loves. Think of people as people that really matter to God. Really, really matter. These were people that you'd least expect to come to know God. These are people, you know, the, 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 the insiders, the lowly insiders, the outsiders. These are people that we would be quick to judge, to hold judgment over, uh, over them. You know, we can be so quick to, to judge these people, to write them off. Over the past few years, I've seen just amazing, amazing stories of people coming to Christ, people I've been praying for for so long, and if I could be transparent, authentic, people that I've, I've almost made routine to pray for, you know, and I've, there have been moments I've, I've almost given up praying for them. You know, I, one of them is, uh, one of them is uh, our, our cousin, Yvonne's cousin, Andrew. Uh, we've been praying for him for, for years, for 30 years we've been praying for him that, that he, would, he would come to Christ. And it was just this year, he had a life 
life-altering, transformative moment with Jesus. And he is serving God with so much passion and so much fire. And it's so encouraging to see God is so faithful. Another friend of mine, one of my workout buddies, I had been praying for him for years. He would tease me about my faith in God. And, and, uh, and I would pray for him. I would pray for him by name. And I almost wondered at times, is this even worth it? But I would pray for him and I would pray that God would speak. Well, he came to Christ. It's been amazing. God is so faithful. May we not give up on these things. May we continue to, yeah, let's celebrate that. I heard one clap. We need more claps. <laughs> these, are, these are transformed lives. This, this, this should be the thing that really gets us excited and, and passionate. It's, we need to pray and believe, you know. May this story be an encouragement to all of us. And, and lastly, may we walk in gratitude. Gratitude for all that God has done in our lives. You see, the story of, of the shepherds in particular is a story of them having meet, met with Jesus, seeing the Messiah, and they were so overwhelmed by it, so grateful. that Their, their experience with God caused them to, out of, a, out of a posture of thanksgiving, caused them to be so vocal about who Jesus was in their lives. They were praising God everywhere they went. The more grateful we are for how God saved us, the less prideful we are that, oh, I'm a good person. I deserve this. The more we realize that God has come alive in our hearts, the more we're going to be motivated to see other people live that same story. Paul, the writer of most of the New Testament, actually brags about how horrible of a sinner he was. Not to earn the worst sinner award, but to show how good God was and how gracious God was. First Timothy chapter 1, he says, I am the worst of sinners. And then he goes on to say, you know, redeem, redeem what God has done by doing to others the very story that God has written in your life. It's found in Ephesians 4. He says, he who is sinning, let him sin no more, but let him do something useful with his hands to help others that are in need. The idea of redeeming things. If you have been saved, let that be a part of your heartbeat. To partner with the love of God, we need to recognize its far reach. We've got to recognize just how far it can reach. Just imagine what that could look like. Imagine what that can look like if, if people you never thought possible would, would, would come to a realization that God is alive and active. Well, God loves your, your neighbor. God loves your family member. God loves your, your coworker that much that he would want to work in such a way to get their attention. Hey, Pastor Brad, if you can come on up just as we, as we wrap up this message. I had called a, a good friend of mine this week, and we were just chatting about this message, and I, uh, was, so, I was so excited to, to share with this, uh, this with you today. And, and he shared, you know, Matt, love is the most powerful weapon against the enemy. I was like, wow, I like that. And then he said, and we can use it as much as we want. <laughs> I love that. We can literally use it. You know, I think, of, I think of a video game, you know, where you got ammo. You got unlimited ammo. You know, you can, just, you can just, just absolutely go at the devil, left, right, and center. We use love, and it's so powerful. It's so effective. We have unlimited access to the love of God. May that be something that we, that we really, really grab a hold of. The bigness of God's love. You know, why is this so important today? Well, I think in this day and age, right now, we need to have a stronger sense of urgency than ever before. 
There, there are a lot of conversations about the fact that we have limited time to reach people. That, that there is a lot of outside opposition that we're experiencing. And there is also a lot of opportunity. There are a lot of people that need the love of God. There are a lot of people that need to be transformed, that need to have their hearts secured for heaven. I can't think of a greater time. I mean, uh, we, we, are, we are closer to Christ's return than, than we've ever been. You know, we, we need this now more than ever. We, we can't be thinking so small. We've got to partner with God. And so who in your life have you thought maybe is beyond God's reach? Who have you honestly thought, oh, you know, they're, they're an outsider. They're, they're, they're way out to lunch. They're, they're looking at a whole other things. There's no way they would ever encounter God. Oh, this person, I mean, their attitude is, is all wrong. You know, they're, 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 they're not teachable. Who have you thought? I would challenge you to submit that to God. If you could stand with me as we uh, just close in prayer in just a moment. I believe that God is trying to speak to you as well. I believe that God is trying to get your attention. God wants to talk to you more than you want to talk to him. May we be open to what God would want to say to us in the ways that he would want to speak to us. If we get every head bow, every eye closed, I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Have you asked Jesus into your life? God loves us so much, and he wants everyone to be in relationship with us. Sin separates us from God. The penalty of sin is death. Jesus paid the price for our sins by dying on the cross. He did this for everyone, and eternal life with him starts now, and it lasts for forever. If you haven't prayed a prayer of repentance, saying, God, I am sorry for, for not living for you. I want to live for you. Please forgive me of my sins. I want to make you Lord, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, why don't you just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I confess that I am a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. I choose you to be my Lord. Come into my life this day and forevermore. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we just go ahead and celebrate that decision if anyone's made that. Whether you made that decision um, here in person or, uh, or watching online, you made the best decision of your life. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and uh, dismiss. Um, but uh, if you are a guest here with us today, we're so honored that you joined us. We have a guest table for guests, whether you're in town or out of town. We have a gift for you. We'd love for you to visit one of our exit tables. Uh, just a quick reminder that uh, we, uh, are, we do have buckets available if you brought... Uh, something to give today. This is your last giving opportunity of 2021 on a Sunday. And uh, may God bless you guys. Let's just pray and then uh, we'll be dismissed. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that we have together, oh God. And Lord, you are so big and you are so powerful, oh Lord. And I pray that this Christmas season, as it's wrapping up, we would continue to be aware of just all that you're up to, oh Lord. We love you, God. We thank you for all that you're going to do in the year to come. And we just uh, pray that you would use us greatly. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great rest of your holidays, and we'll see you next year. <laughs>